like if you can remember to be kind to yourself and to send positive vibes through your body and and sometimes I think smelling something and being in a happy moment and taking a shower with a great very natural body wash can bring you those moments. That was Shirin Von Wolfen. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Get ready to be transported to the French countryside of Aix-en-Provence on today's episode with Shirin Van Wolfen the co-founder of beauty and lifestyle company Bastide, where she has partners with her husband, renowned hairstylist Frederick Fakai. With a shared passion for living beautifully, simply, and authentically, this is also the philosophy behind the brand and one that Shirin and her family embrace in their everyday life. Together, Shirin and Frederick launched Bastide in 2016 with a collection of lotions, soaps, fragrances, and candles, and cult products like scented amber crystals, all inspired by the wellness philosophy of Provence and founded on a commitment to clean, toxin-free living. Infused and formulated with the wonderful herbs, flowers, oils, and honey from the region, Bastide is a family business that represents a homecoming for Frederick Vakai and a celebration of his native Aix-en-Provence and a special place for Shirin and their family. Bastide's products for skin, body, and home are all made in local workshops by artisans whose roots date back generations. Shirin and Frederick source the best of these heritage makers for their collection. On today's episode, Shirin and I sync up about her upbringing from Iran to Virginia, her early beginnings in fashion and PR in Germany and Milan, and how she ultimately landed in New York City, where she met her husband, Frederick. She then dials me into the inspiration and influence behind the beautifully packaged, formulated, and fragrant collection of products and heritage brand Bastille. And of course, she shares her fitness and wellness secrets for success. I hope you enjoy. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy. Scroll through the list of Money on the Move podcasts on your app. Click on Write a Review. Share what you like about the podcast, your favorite episodes, and what inspires you. Also, thanks for all of your great feedback on the podcast. I appreciate your direct messages, questions on social, and emails. Tell your friends to listen, email them a link, post it on your social platforms, and tag Marnie on the Move. Spread the love. Sign up for our newsletter, the download, to find out about upcoming events and summits, great deals, offers, and giveaways. Now, on to today's episode. Have you lived in New York for a long time? I've lived in New York now for 13 years, so I I can tell you a little bit about how I, you know, where. Yeah. So I was born in Iran, German parents, and my father worked for John Deere, the tractor company. Oh, wow. So we had a farm outside of Isfahan, 
And when the revolution happened, we moved to Virginia. So we actually, my mother and the kids left a little earlier. My father kind of really got out at the last minute. It mm-hmm. was a very scary moment. We loved Iran. I think it's still a big part of our culture. And it feels very, you know, I was just in Marrakesh recently. And I just really realized how much that culture means to me and how comfortable I feel in, in that culture. So we moved to Virginia and had a farm there too, uh, horses, racehorses. Okay. So I grew up really, you Do know, you ride horses too? I do, I yeah, do. Yeah. I love horses. And um, we kind of grew up, you know, doing the whole thing, mucking stalls and making hay. And, you know, we would have to bale the hay and pack it up and ride tractors and fix fences, you know. So it's a, I think it's a great way to grow up. And yeah. um, I always say to people, like, I really believe in child labor because I think when kids learn to work, and I remember my mom paying us for helping in the hay in the summers, and she would let us choose boxes of Briar's ice cream that we could eat as much as we wanted of after we'd finished doing the hay that day. Yeah. And I just remember this sense of like real accomplishment and being proud of what I'd earned and and feeling like a grown-up because I could eat as much ice cream as I wanted to. It's a great memory, and I think it's also really formed the person I am because I'm not afraid to do things and to work, and, you know, and I think it's really helped me. I think that that is a great sort of approach and philosophy around, you know, bringing up kids. I mean, I grew up working for my father in his store, and I would be rewarded with trips to stores and shopping. Shopping, yeah. And we do that now. We do Starbucks with my partner's daughter. Like, we're like, you have to clean your room if you want Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. You know, for breakfast, but... Um, and then you've lived in some really cool places throughout your life and career. Yeah. So we, you know, it was interesting growing up in Virginia, really in the country, and 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 we went to public school, and we were the only Germans, you know, anywhere. And I remember my parents, you know, not fitting in at all, and and my my friends being like, well, you know, I can't understand a word your parents are saying, you know, even though they're speaking English. So it was just, it was a very interesting way to grow up because I would spend the year going to school in Virginia, and then always the summers in Germany. Mm-hmm. So this... Um, you know, almost a very, then a very different life in Germany. My mother comes from a very old family in Germany, and we would, you know, spend time with my grandmother and, you know, old relatives, and we'd have to learn how to behave. And, you know, it's it's just, it's a very, it was a great way to grow up because you'd have this freedom in Virginia and this kind of real nature and then very sophisticated kind of summers in the in Germany, you know, and also being European and learning what people eat in Europe. And I think it's a, it's again, I feel really blessed that I had that, that I grew up bilingually and, um, and that I had such different experiences and that you, you know, I remember we would take trains when we were young. We flew, I think I flew for the first time when I was four from Iran to Germany. So we were always really independent. You know, we learned to stick up for ourselves and learn to understand that people are different in different places. And So when did you come to New York? So I came to New York. So after I studied at the University of Virginia, and then when I got out of school, I was still, you know, I'm a German citizen. So I had a, I didn't have a work visa. And I remember going on these interviews and People were like, yeah, yo, we'll hire you, but we have no idea how to get you a visa. So I very quickly thought, okay, the easier way is to get a job in Germany. And I'd interned for a PR firm in Hamburg, and they immediately offered me a job, which was great. So I literally, it was like the only job offer I had, moved to Germany, moved to Hamburg, and started working in this PR firm. And it was interesting because I'd spent one year in sixth grade going to school in Germany, and I speak fluently, mm-hmm. but I don't write fluently at all. You know? Oh, that's and so, so 
so interesting. All yeah. of a sudden I was working and I, you know, PR, I mean, it's communications, you right. know, you have to really know how to write. So it was very interesting kind of feeling, you know, just, just kind of overcoming that fear and, and having to learn how to write press releases and, and kind of doing it on the go. And I love this PR firm. It was in fashion. I did that for a year. And then I started actually by chance, I, I was super young. I started my own firm. At the time, Tom Ford had uh, just taken over Gucci and he was looking for a PR firm in Germany. It was the only country that they didn't have in-house. And so I kind of fell into, I really met and, and became friends with the communications director, Julia Masla, who's a wonderful person and still a great friend. And she basically hired me. I set up a tiny company. It was, I think we were three people in the beginning. And then I did that for three years, loved every minute of it. We did fashion shows in Germany, opened stores for Gucci. And it was at that great time. I loved so, when Tom Ford was at oh, Gucci. And my friend Charlotte Sprintas worked yes, there. You know Charlotte? I with Charlotte for a long time. Yeah. yeah, she was there when I was, she was working in the New York office when I was doing German PR, yeah. yeah. Then actually a guy that I knew, an editor, asked me if I wanted to be a fashion director of a magazine called Amica. And it kind of came out of the blue, but it was really interesting for me because I thought I would love to see fashion. You know, I was always just seeing our shows and I thought it was really interesting to see everything. And this job allowed me to cover couture, men's, women's. You know, I was going to Milan, to Paris, to New York. I actually came to New York when September 11th happened for the right. shows. Okay. Um, so it, it was really, it opened a whole new world and it allowed me to see what all of this fashion is about, how much is out there and which you know, what's good and what's interesting and, and then obviously doing photo shoots. So it was a great, great learning experience. I think also one of the toughest experiences of my life because I was super young. I think I was 23 at the time. I was the youngest fashion director ever. And I was kind of coming in, working with a team that was much older than I was, that was very German, you mm-hmm. know, and here I was kind of coming from America having a, I, I think I had a more, not, you know, I'm not overly commercial by any means, but I think I, I, I wanted to do things. I wanted to see the clothes on people. I wanted to know what they were buying. You know, it was kind of that beginning. It was pre-Instagram, but we were already feeling like, I, I remember going to shows and thinking, I'm much more interested in what these girls are wearing that are going, like the editors, what right. the editors and what the models are wearing off-duty, then I am interested in what's on, and the like runway. The yeah. and on the runway. Yeah. So it was the beginnings of that. And I remember just having real, you know, having to kind of really fight for my vision and also sometimes doubting if I knew what I was doing and being very young, you know, right. so it was a really, really tough time. And I think I also learned through that experience that you can't be too nice. You really have to have a vision and go for it. And if somebody's not pulling, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty nice person. So I always think I can slowly convince people. And I think what I noticed is that that was a long process. Like, I think I could have done better if I would have, you know, cleaned up the team a little bit and been a little tougher, you know? So yeah. I think it's all these learning experiences. And then yeah. I started dating an Italian. And then I was always kind of going back between Milan and, and working in Hamburg. And then the magazine didn't fold right away, but they, the editor-in-chief switched, changed. And, and so all of a sudden, I found myself in a very weird situation. I was kind of kind of fired, but not really because they paid me for another year. Wow, that's um, amazing. But, but it was awesome. And I lived in Milan. I think it still stung because I'd never been, you know, I'd never been let go. So right. I, I think it stung in a way, but you know, the, the experience was amazing. I went to Milan. I learned to speak Italian. I learned to cook. I and I spent time with my boyfriend. And, and that's when Tom Ford came back. It was actually Lisa Sheik at the time. Right. I remember Lisa. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I feel like we had like death. parallel lives because yeah. I was on that 
yeah. editor track early years and then I switched to doing PR and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. It was, it was great that I had that edit, editorial experience. Yes, it's knowing, really amazing. Yeah. So uh, then Lisa is actually the one who approached me because Tom Ford needed someone in, in the U.S. for Saint Laurent. And so I moved to New York. Um, I remember at the time, you know, finding an apartment. I was on 57th Street and our offices were on 57th Street and, you know, it's just like living midtown and it was noisy and big buildings. It was very different. But I pretty quickly I think the first year is really tough looking back because I think the city has this overwhelming energy and when you're not up to speed yet it kind of exhausts you and then Mm -hmm. I think all of a sudden after year one your body kicks in and has that same energy back you know and then you you're in the you're in the mode and so New York was great I met a lot of amazing people and then I think after the first year I met Frederick at a dinner and then we were kind of friends for six months and started dating yeah started dating a year later and then we got married maybe a year and two years later and and that's how I stayed and so the rest is history the rest is history exactly and so when did you so tell me so that's so awesome and exciting I love these kind of stories because you started your new company with Frederick tell me about Bastide so Bastide is kind of it's what I always I would love when things happen organically and it was um when I met Frederick he the first thing he said to me almost was like you know New York is my city and I love this place and I'm never gonna leave and and the funny thing is, is the minute he turned 50, he suddenly started missing his hometown of Aix-en-Provence. And we, you know, realized that we were, we wanted to spend more time there and went for a couple summers. And then we had pretty much decided we wouldn't didn't want to find a place there because it was too complicated. And, you know, and then we'd have to take care of a house. And, right. And, um, but then suddenly this property came to us, really, and I think no one else had seen it. We were the first to see it, and it's just outside of Aix-en-Provence, and uh-huh. you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, like mm-hmm. you're really in the country, but you're five minutes from the center, so you can go and have a coffee in town, and, and Aix is a big town. It's a 200,000-person town, so you know most people think of every town in Provence being this little hamlet, and, right. and Aix is a you know, is a serious town and it's, um, it's a university town and there's even an Hermes store, believe it or not, you know, I so, love it there. so yeah. it's a great combination of very low key, very natural, but also sophisticated and very beautiful, a lot of artists. And, you know, so we fell in love with this place and it is a Bastide. So the house is called a Bastide and it's an old French house that we restored. And in the process of restoring it, we had, I mean, Frederick already knew this company for a long time. It was called Cote Bastide. It's a beautiful heritage brand from Aix-en-Provence and we were buying tons of things they were making beautiful linens but also candles and and creams and we had a lot of of their things in our house and then Frederick was advising them a little bit and then the the lady who founded it was, was wonderful was looking to retire and so we said we would take it over and basically wanted to revive this brand and so that was the beginning of Bastide so it kind of all came together and then when we took over the brand and I think we started in 2015 we really quickly noticed that we wanted to reformulate because the brand had started 25 years ago and there were you know the formulations for us needed to be very clean I mean right, our because you're thing, very into clean and natural beauty. absolutely absolutely and that's what we were loving in Provence you know we, we noticed that we were eating from the market we were eating from our garden and all of a sudden you feel better you have more energy your kids have rosy cheeks and you realize that this is the same thing you need to do with your beauty you know just really be aware of of what you're how you're making things. And so we took over the brand and launched in 2016. We opened a tiny little store, a boutique in Aix-en-Provence. It's amazing. And worked with the local architect, Amelia Tavella, who had stonemasons, you know, carve 
beautiful shelves for us. So it's all, it's a lot of stone. It's very, really, really beautiful place. And then, yeah, little by little, we've kind of put together the collection. We have everything from beautiful fragrances to a dry oil that's my absolute favorite, Ile Epatante. So it's this amazing dry oil with the scent of Fleur d'Oranger, which is an orange blossom that you can take to the beach and use in the winter. So it's a really great product. And we also have shower gels and hand soap and hand cream. And basically our idea was to continue what the brand had been doing, which is to work with local family businesses. So that was something that was really important to Frederick. He kind of saw the landscape change in Provence mm-hmm. and he felt really sad that there were a lot of big companies coming in and kind of building one-stop sh- factories and that's not at all what what he wanted. He really wanted to keep working with these family businesses where um, you know the money was always going back into formulations and making the product better instead of trying to make a quick buck. So, I mean, I think we kind of have two goals with Bastide. One is to really be good to the earth. So we're very aware of, you know, we're not perfect by any means. We're a small company, so we do the best we can, but we really are very aware of packaging. We try to do almost, you know, we do everything with paper. We have most of everything is in, in glass bottles. We actually, the only bottle that we have right now that's plastic is our shower gel. And Mm -hmm. that's just because when you're in the shower and it drops, you know, you can't have glass everywhere. But even that bottle, We've now sourced, I think it's 95% recycled plastic. So we're really, really dedicated to that. And actually, one of the artisans that we work with who makes our soft soap, her name is Beatrix, and she used to work for big companies. And she was developing soaps for big companies. And she realized that what she was making was so toxic and it was going back into the earth. And so she said, you know, I'm just going to quit and I'm going to start my own factory and I'm going to dedicate my life to making soaps that are made of olive oil and coconut oil and that have that go back into the earth in a very natural way and don't hurt the earth so that's really something i think now when people are looking at sunscreen and you know that it's polluting the oceans and killing off the sea life it's really something that we have to think about so that's a big concern of ours what was the first product that you started with or did you start so, with a few so we've had there's some products that, that bastille has always been known for we make a acacia resin potpourri so it's mm-hmm. basically crystals that are made of a resin of a tree the acacia tree and then they're infused with an oil of amber so you can put them in a beautiful dish and keep them in your home and it smells really nice and it's so that's a very beautiful thing we kind of started with quite a few products at one like so we have a we have a body cream we had this huile patente uh, we have a bath oil bath salts that are from Camargue so there's a beautiful there are the salt fields in Camargue which is where our salt comes from so we really look at every part of Provence everything we love about it and find the ingredients that we love and then make the product based on the ingredient. Your products are so beautiful. Thank first you. of all, like Thank the design you. and the packaging and the labels. Thank you. And it's I was a big team effort. We've, we have an amazing creative director um, who's actually French, who's in New York. His name is Pierre Jandeur, and he has a company called Do Things. So he did all of our packaging and and we work with him for our campaign. So we were, we're a great team. Like we have a lot of amazing people. The combination of the fragrances that you use are so unique and so beautiful. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's so much about smell that brings us back to places. And I think so much of our beauty philosophy at Bastide is that when you feel good and when you're relaxed, you're much more beautiful. So mm-hmm. it's not just about what you put on your skin, but also what you put in your you know, your body, how you, how you nurture yourself. And so what we wanted to do is create these little mini rituals that really give people peace and that make them more relaxed and more beautiful. So 
I think that that's really what we focus on when we do our scents and and all of them are inspired by different moments of experiences of being anyone who's ever been to Provence and seen the light there and the you know there's also Provence sometimes can seem like it's kind of old school with lavender fields and not that they're not beautiful but it can sometimes feel a little dusty and and the Provence that we live and that we see is so exciting and so magical and so art inspired too you know right. you had Picasso painting in in Provence for a long time he's actually buried very close to our house five minutes from our house oh, in really? the Chateau de Vauvenargue and they're planning on opening a new Picasso museum in X so we're also very inspired kind of by how Provence lets you be creative and be at ease and and we wanted to bring that feeling back into our products and also to people wherever they are you know so that when you're opening this shower gel in the morning you're like you know this is I feel like like I'm excited to use the products I love your candles too and we have this amazing new fragrance that's called Verven du Sud which is actually really cute I was telling my friend like I I want to film my husband walking down the street wearing it because we actually both wear it, but he gets stopped all the time really? with people asking him what it is that he's wearing. And it's, you know, like a parking in a garage, the parking attendant asked him, then a woman asked him. Like, it was like, it's appealing to all, every person. And that's actually a, a great example of where we really said, you know, this this thing that we have when we walk out of our house in the morning and that, that feeling of freshness, like we really wanted to bring that into a fragrance. So you kind of have the, the top notes or our grapefruit and Italian orange trees, and which are actually outside of our house. And then as you walk down into the garden, it's peonies and it's peppermint and it's verveine, which is like right. the verbena, verbena. Yeah. verbena tea. And we use those leaves also to make tea. And then the base note is like a very woody, musky, amber scent. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of sexy and mm-hmm. very fresh and summery at the same time. And that for us is Provence. So it's, I think that we're always trying with every fragrance to kind of capture a moment, to capture something that when you close your eyes, you can go back and be at peace and, but also feel, you know, sexy and, and right in the middle of it's life. Understated, but yeah. cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That what, is actually is our the... new fragrance, the Verven du Sud. Okay. It's a fragrance that actually just came out. So we're, I think it's out for a week now um we've been wearing it a little longer yeah and then the so it's the, a, like a perfume like it's, a yes okay. exactly it's an eau de toilette i was also very inspired by by water so you see kind of the packaging is kind of more blue and because we have all these waters and fountains around the property and we have a, a natural park right above us so the water runs down yeah. the mountain so it's it's a very summery beautiful fragrance I and then also our, our dry oh, oil is so a good. is an orange blossom um infused dry oil so that's that's the other product I was talking about. We actually, in our first year out, we, we won an L International L Award for our um, dry oil, which was exciting. Um, this smells amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I smell the, I smell the grapefruit. It's right. great. Provence is the, was, Aix-en-Provence was the first place I visited in, in France. Wow. And the people were just so wonderful, and the countryside was beautiful, and it's I can't just, even imagine, it was 20 years ago, I think, yeah. so I can't yeah. even imagine how much it's developed since I, then. You know, it hasn't changed that much, that's the interesting thing, people are very peaceful, and they're, you know, sometimes we have that New York impatience, and we're like, you know, waiting at the bakery, and thinking like, why can't you just pay and get out, or, you know, so so you do tend to get a little bit impatient, yeah, but... Yeah. But people are relaxed. And I think, again, that's part of the beauty of it, you know, and that's that also makes you more beautiful if you can learn to relax. I have this great yoga. She's actually a great friend. Her name is Hannah Casey, and she's a yoga instructor. And she's like one of the best I've ever, ever seen. And she always says to me, smile inside and send waves of gratitude through your body. 
And I always keep that in mind when we're designing and thinking of new products and because that's the feeling you should have. So I think that beauty has to strengthen your, and it's really muscle memory, you know? Like if you can remember to be kind to yourself and to send positive vibes through your body, and and sometimes I think smelling something and being in a happy moment and taking a shower with a great, very natural body wash can bring you those moments. So I think it's... Yeah, I mean, there's science behind how scents affect your body and stress levels, like especially grapefruit. Yeah. And peppermint and all of those sort of essences. I've definitely read a lot about that in the world of essential oils and Ayurveda. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's definitely... And the French, you know, that's another thing you realize. They've been doing it forever. Um, we're now uh, starting to work on beauty. And I was really inspired by the way French women, just like they eat seasonally, and they really know which fruits and which vegetables to eat at, at which moment, they do the same thing with their skin. And you realize, like, I think in America, we've kind of have this idea that we have to eat berries every single day. And we have to, you know, we kind of do the same thing every day. And, and the whole point is that maybe you don't need to eat fruit every single day. Maybe right. you're going to eat a little bit more in the summer, a little less in the winter, and, and you're going to eat other things and your body doesn't need exactly the same thing every day. And I, it's the same thing with skincare and also really looking to the nature around you for, for things that work and that are powerful and that you know, that protect your skin and build your skin instead of constantly aggressing it. I think that that's another big difference that I notice yeah. is that in America, people tend to kind of want to burn their skin or, you know, or laser it. Or And, and in France, it's so much more soft. I have a French girlfriend who says, treat your skin like a, like a silk shirt. You would never put harsh chemicals on a silk shirt and you shouldn't do that to your skin. So... Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good visual, a good thought process. What's your beauty routine? Have you always loved beauty? You know what? I've always loved, I mean, I'm a fashion girl. I really, it's so funny because I grew up in the country really wearing my brother's hand-me-downs and like we would go to Dollar General and get sweatshirts. You Mm -hmm. know, I was like a very much of a tomboy in one way. Um, But then I um, have a grandmother who's very fashionable and you know, she, we would dance ballet in, in our barn and, you know, she was, so I think I, and I, I remember getting a subscription of Whip, of W magazine when I was like 10, you know, so I've always really liked beauty and, and, and fashion and things that just also beautiful things. I really, yeah. really like beautiful things. So my beauty routine, you know, and I have a mother who wears absolutely no makeup. Then again, a grandmother who was always very into beauty and she's German. And so she was always testing things and she was into homeopathy. And, you know, so I think I've been very aware of that and, and shopping in pharmacies in France and in Germany. Pharmacies and, in France are amazing. Right? Yeah. And people really know, you know, they know what to do when you have something and, and you, need, you need a specific product. That's, I think, and my beauty routine is pretty simple. I'm somebody who I'm very good about, you know, it's funny. I, I realized the other day that I used to always use oil of Olay under eye cream, <laughs> like literally from the age of 12, I would put under like eye cream. Because that's like as a kid. I mean, it's like, amazing. Yeah, it's so here. good. It served me pretty well. And so, yeah, I, I wash my face. You know, I would never go to bed with makeup on. It just doesn't even occur to me. But I still love, I, I watch tutorials. I love figuring out what I can you know, what I can do with my eyes. I, I curl my lashes every day, you, you know, yeah. because I, you know, it's those little things and they yeah. make a big difference. I always wear mascara. I'm not a big lipstick wearer. I love just lip treatments because mm-hmm. I always have dry lips, but I'm not, I don't wear a ton of lipstick. I'm more of an eye person than a mm-hmm. lipstick person. And I like the, I like natural. Like I don't, I always want 
someone, you know, I always think the real beauty of makeup for me is when you enhance someone and they still, they look like themselves, but the best version of themselves. And I feel the same way about fashion. I, I mean, I love a, a great dress, but I think the most beautiful dresses for me are always the ones that make the person look great. And, and I'm the same way about beauty. So what did you ever think that you would be co-founder of a beauty company and launch this kind of product line? No, no, I definitely didn't. And it's funny because I think as you get older, you start to look back. Um, you know, it's funny when I first started to, you definitely always have this kind of imposter syndrome where you're kind of thinking like, am I really the one who should be founding this company? You know, and, and, and then you realize that there's so much in your life that you've done that's led you to this moment and that it all really makes sense, you know, that it always meant to be and that a lot of the things you've, you've seen and you've learned and, you know, I'm somebody who loves interiors and design and architecture and, and all of that suddenly comes together and it really makes sense that you needed to learn all those things to be able to do what you do, you know, what I'm doing with Best Deeds. And what is your role in the company right so now? So I'm the co-founder. Frederick and I really work on tiny companies. So we do design together, we do product development together, and we have a team that's amazing too. So it's not like I'm, you know, doing it all on my own on the kitchen table. I think I'm more visual. Mm -hmm. I'm much more, I love the whole packaging side of it, the, the campaigns, but I'm, but I'm also very central. I, mean, I love the sense. I love coming up with things that inspire us. And then Frederick is, he's an amazing, I mean, he has a very creative mind too, but he's a great businessman. Right. So he's much better. I'm terrible at numbers and I'm right. terrible at... You know, Frederick Fakai has, is a great brand. and So you're going to be excited because he's actually reworking his shampoo right now and because he sold his company 10 years ago and right. just bought it back. And so he's kind of really working on his formulations because there's so many exciting new things that have happened. So mm -hmm. he's always, he's just one of those people who's always looking for the next technology and, you know, how can you do better? I mean, he was, he's so much about nature and that's also why we created Bastide is, you know, how can we be as good as we possibly can be to nature and he kind of wants to bring more of that into Fakai because he's been away for 10 years you know right. so I think that's really it so Fakai is amazing but he he there's just so much more we can do with formulations now right. than we could 10 years ago and and he just really wants to bring those products up to speed so you'll be excited there's going to be a lot of you know the formulations are super clean but so yeah. effective like so I feel amazing like really because, important in this day and age yeah. I mean and I, I like that a lot of heritage brands and you know, brands that we love and know are getting on board and Absolutely. adopting, adapting and shifting with the times. So yeah. if you love the brand and you like that experience, you're going to get the same kind of brand experience with a more updated, modern approach to beauty. Right. Like and, and I find that with both with Bastide and Fakai, like if you if you really take nature and the earth as your as your focus, then you're automatically going to create things that are good for you. So that's yeah. what's really interesting. So we're kind of taking the focus away from all this kind of, you know, and there's so much talk right now about what's natural, what's not natural. You know, I think a lot of times when we were also making fragrance, we really figured out sometimes the synthetic, which are people think that that's bad. Right. Um, synthetic fragrance is awesome. And a lot of times it actually keeps people from having allergic reactions to certain things. So I think you really just have to be doing the best you can for nature. Right. 
and if you are creating something synthetic that is not hurtful, you know, to, to nature, and then you're automatically going to make something that's great for you. I know there's something new yeah. and exciting that's happening with Bastide. Very exciting. So we are developing our new skincare, which is really exciting. And it's not, you know, we never, like with all of our products, we never just want to come out with something for the purpose of coming out. It's really what we were inspired by is the way women live in Provence and that they're so good to their skin and they really take care to live in harmony with nature and that they use nature when they're making their product. So a big part of our heritage has always been kind of making making things yourself, making little masks. And so we're coming out with this amazing mask that comes from the clay of Roussillon, which is a region in Provence. And I'm sure you've seen photos of these beautiful red rocks. So it's a red clay that comes from Roussillon and it's an amazing antioxidant. It basically detoxes your skin and it kind of allows for whatever you put on next to really penetrate the skin. So right, it's a beautiful. Like and the other thing that we wanted to do with this mask is a lot of times when you have a clay mask, they're very drying and we really wanted to be for it to be moisture rich. So that's kind of another part of how we're building our skincare is that it's always about an ingredient from Provence, something that's amazingly strong and potent, but then also always twisting it in a modern way so that it really works for us today because nobody wants to have a really drying mask, but this way you're detoxing your skin and cleansing it, but also really moisturizing it. So the mask is amazing and it's this beautiful pink color. So it's really, really nice. And then the other skincare product that we have come up with is a, an oil and it's actually called Elixir 2. So number two, and that's because first of all, we really wanted to focus on face and décolleté. And by décolleté, we kind of mean neck and and décolleté because too many people don't pay attention to those both parts. And then the other reason it's called deux is because we have two different sets of particles or oils basically that very small molecules that penetrate the skin and really feed your skin and build the layers the, mm-hmm. the lipids and collagen and then another layer that protects against pollution so it's a great way it's a very easy face oil that you can kind of take with you and and use throughout the day and it really keeps moisturizing and 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 also protecting your skin so i love and face oil antioxidants and amazing i mean if you look at we have a hazelnut oil there's hemp oil hemp seed oil we have a tomato seed oil that we've found that's just amazing so it's really that part's been incredibly fun to kind of figure out what are all these ingredients and and how can we really make nature incredibly potent and good for the skin and so now you're so you're so busy working and launching all these amazing products and also you have two Two children children. i have a stepson that's 25 alexander who's awesome he actually works with us too and then we have two kids um frederick and i have two kids together that are 10 and 7 they're awesome. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. With all these things happening in your life, what are you doing to work out or what's your wellness routine? That was the other thing. I think that what I feel very blessed and lucky that I'm able to kind of chart my path. And I think that that's another thing when you're when you're starting something like this, you have to really take care of yourself. And I think one of those things is eating well and the other thing is is working out. So I usually work out twice sometimes three times a week with an amazing trainer who's at the mark hotel his name is dan flores um he has a company called fitlink so mm-hmm. you can he's awesome and i just basically do kind of gym workout it's some interval training and then weights and then i do yoga once a week with my friend hannah casey and that's and i it's 
I do it at home, which is really great. That's great. And, so you have your own practice. Yeah. So I have my own, yeah. And then we, we always meditate a little bit at the beginning. And it's something that I've been doing. I mean, I've been doing yoga with her once a week for about 10 years. And she's taken me through so many different phases of my life, being pregnant, you know, having children. And, and I've slowly really, you know, yoga is something that grows on you every minute. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I did yoga, I was so bored. And I thought, how, how can anyone do this? And the great thing about yoga is that it really, the more you do it and the repetition, the more it starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that also slowly leads you into meditation. I wouldn't say that I'm an amazing meditator. But I think it just really calms me. It sends, I, you know, I send waves of gratitude through my body. And I think it makes me more peaceful. And it also makes me more present. And I've uh, recently started reading. There's a great, great book. And of course, I'm forgetting the, the author. But it's called The Surrender Experiment. And it's about this guy who's a graduate student. And he starts hearing this voice that we all have in our head that's that kind of doubtful voice that says, right. you know, you said something stupid. Or you're, you know, you're dressed weird today. You know, there's this voice voice that kind yeah, of I know bugs us all day well. <laughs> and and he heard that voice and said you know how am I going to silence that and he starts meditating and starts meditating night and day and then he realizes that you can't really silence the voice that you have to accept it and he realizes that what he needs to do is surrender to life and he does the surrender experiment where he basically says you know sometimes life is going to throw things at you that you really don't want to do but maybe you're meant to do them and that book for me was very powerful because I thought you know what a better way to realize who who we are than to say, you know, we're, we're tiny. We're these little grains of, in a beautiful way, you know, we're right. grains of sand, but we're let, you know, let go a little bit. Don't try right. to control everything. You know, I'm somebody who's, who grew up, I somehow became a perfectionist. And I think that this really helped me to kind of surrender and to say, let me just do the best I can at this very moment, you know, with my kids, with my work, give all I can do, but not beat myself up and not let that voice beat me up all the time that says, right. you know, you didn't do that and you didn't, you know, and you're, you didn't wash your hair today and you didn't, you know, yeah. so, yeah. so no, I think I that's, that so yeah. it's that combination, I think of, you know, taking care of yourself, also reading things that let you see life a little differently and then meditating. Yeah. And I, for me, somehow I feel like I'm in a good place in my life where all of that somehow comes together and feeds me. That's great. That's wonderful. Meditating is the next frontier for me. I keep saying that. I keep hearing myself say that. And I'm like, when am I going to do it? And it's not that big of it. You know, I think it's for me, it's like, I don't, I don't think I want to do it because everything that I want to do, I do. So it's weird. But you know, someone actually said something very interesting. It was in a book I read. I don't remember which one, but it, it basically says that if you're very present, all the time like if you're really focused on the moment then you're technically meditating already so if you're able to you know really relax in the moment then maybe you don't need to meditate Mm -hmm. and I think this meditation you know everything is always I really believe in balance and people you know sometimes they get on this big and everyone's talking about meditating and meditating and you wonder if some you know some people probably don't even know that they're not and I don't even know if I am meditating when I but at least it's finding a peace and it's finding something that relaxes you and yeah, I think no. that's important. Like for me, I think I was reading I was reading a book and I don't remember what book it was, but they were talking about like getting into that flow state, which is essentially probably meditating. the flow. That book the 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 flow. The flow. Yeah. It's like that moment where you're doing something, but so I'll be on my bike, for example, up on 9W mm-hmm. and I will be like all of a sudden I'm like, "Wait, what where am I?" Like Your I know where I am, so quickly, but yeah. like 
I won't know if I'm like 20 miles over the bridge or like 30 because I You're won't remember what I passed. And then yeah. I freak out and I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? Yeah. But anyway, it, it all works out. Yeah. 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 But no, I, I think but that's I know where you flow. get your meditation. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Do you have any like really awesome career advice that you might share with listeners? Maybe it's like career or entrepreneurship advice, like a big lesson that you learned? I mean, it's funny. Like I remember just off the top of my head, I remember this funny moment when I first started in PR and my first bosses in Germany were literally the girls from Absolutely Fabulous. And I don't know if you watched that <laughs> show, but that show. they oh would wear, you know, Gautier uh, bustiers over t-shirts and they were awesome, but really funny. And I remember the first advice, I think I'd been working for a week at this PR firm in Hamburg and they asked me to go to a show, to an Armani show in Milan to seat the press. And I had no clue what I was doing, you know. And I remember saying to them, I'm like, you know, tell me, give me some idea of what I'm supposed to do. And they said, just run around and look busy. <laughs> and it's That's so, so like, funny. Patsy and Adina. <laughs> so it's to this day, you know, when I go to a show and I see people seating, you know, other, it's, it's so true. I mean, I've spent so much of my life doing those kinds of things, doing events, and half the time, that's what you're doing. You know, you're just looking like you know what you're doing, but you're not. So uh, that's kind of a joke. I think the lesson is really to just not worry too much. You know, I think that that's what we all we all do. And I think that yeah. if, we, if we're listening, then we're going to do better. I think another lesson, like I said, when I was working at the magazine, I think I realized that you have to, especially when you're working in a creative field, you really have to stick to your guns and believe in yourself and make sure that the team you're working with is doing what you want. Because once you're finished, if the result isn't isn't what you wanted, then it's your own fault. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're only as good as, as what you've created. So I think that's the other thing. Like if you if you have people working with you who are not who are not gonna help you realize that vision, then you have to make changes. And that's another thing I've learned from Frederick. He's really very good about making decisions and making decisions quickly and moving on and not being afraid to make the wrong decision but just deciding so that you keep moving. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who tends to like waver and think and, and he's very decisive. And I think it's better to make the wrong decision and go back than to just kind of be in limbo. Yeah, that's great entrepreneur advice. I think a lot of that's very helpful and it also like very important for entrepreneurs because you want to, when you have a vision, you want to take risks, but right. it's important to be able to take risks and then realize the risk you took was wrong and go back and... And fix it. Yeah, and fix yeah. it. But fix I think it. it's Not be afraid like, to fix it, yeah. right? I think that's the other thing. And then one other thing that that's really helped me and I think is, is to always, when, when there's something you're wondering what to do about, just put it in your heart and see how it feels. Oh, and that's then, nice. yeah. And I really, it really works. Like you're kind of like, even with me, sometimes with packaging, I'm like, let's just look at this. And if it feels right, it's right. You know? And I, so I think that's another great advice to always listen to your heart. Awesome. This has been so wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we're honored to be here. Thank you. Thank <laughs> or you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, if you have questions for our guests, 
just reach out. 